me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As a child, one of my favorite table games to play in the very competitive Conrad household was the game of Clue. Now, I'm sure that most of you have played the game of Clue at some time in your life, but in case you're unfamiliar with the game, it's not really a game that pacifists should probably be playing. But it is a game that nonetheless involves a murder mystery that needs to be solved, and you, as the players, need to solve the mystery by figuring out who done it, where, and with what weapon. Again, shocking now that my parents allowed us to play this so rigorously as children, but nonetheless, they did. And I loved it because it involved mystery and logic, secrecy, and, and as all good games do, a sense of luck, but most of all, a lot of competition. And even now, when I look back on playing Clue as a child, I remember how my blood pressure would rise, knowing that I had two of the three elements determined, the person, Colonel Mustard, in the living room. Now I just had to determine, was it the candlestick or the lead pipe? <laughs> in some ways, it really is an awful game, creating a murder and then an investigation and then trying to encourage children to get so much into the weaponry and other things, trying to solve it. But with the pretend violence aside, it was a game that taught me, even early on, the skills of logical thinking through deduction and strategy. My heart would beat fast if another person, usually one of my siblings, would claim they had the mystery solved. And during their turn, they would take the top secret cards marked in the middle of the board wondering if they were right. Did they figure out the mystery before I did? Or did I still have a chance? If I could just have one more term, I, I, a turn, I'm sure I could figure out the difference between the candlestick and the lead pipe. I would figure it all out. But playing the game of Clue reminds us and reminds me of the importance of logic in this world. It was perhaps why this game was so widely popular in my household. You see, I grew up with a mother who was and still is incredibly logically minded. And so she always impressed upon us children the power of logical thinking to get through any difficult situation, any difficult algebraic equation surely could be figured out if we just thought hard enough. And even, she would say, look at how we could figure out the best bargain on the sales rack if we just thought well enough. Now, even though my mind, my DNA, didn't naturally cultivate logical thinking like my mother's, I'm much more like my father that way, my mother won the battle of nature versus nurture. And even now, when I'm figuring out the sales tax, 
or determining the proper tip amount at the restaurants, or determining the best approach to tackle a problem, I can still, to this day, hear those words of my mother. Oh, Susan, just think. <laughs> so since my mother liked to encourage me to think by playing games, I decided we're going to play a few games this morning. I'm going to mention some groupings of things, things that typically come together in threes. And I will mention the first two, and then I'm going to ask you to say the third member of the group. Now, we're going to begin with an easy one so that you all feel that you know what you're doing. Knife, fork, hey, there we go. My mother would be proud. I hope she's listening. Um, Larry, Mo, Curly. I'm not sure what, okay, somebody, somebody was not following along there, that's all right. Snap, crackle, wow. all right. <laughs> and we have a little commercial for Kellogg's in the background. All right, here we go for the history buffs, the Nina, the Pinta, and the? Excellent. Stop, drop, and roll. Good. Reading. Writing and arithmetic. All right, for the children, Alvin, Simon, Theodore. Thank you, Emma. Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, the chipmunks. Yeah, I know some adults knew that too. You just didn't want to chime in. And the good old sandwich, bacon, lettuce. And our last one, God, creator, Jesus Christ, redeemer, and... Yes. The Sunday we are on is known in the Christian calendar as Trinity Sunday. The first Sunday of ordinary time, the first Sunday following Pentecost, when we honor the mystery of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity holds together the mystery that though God is in fact one, God is revealed in three separate modes. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, as we all know, almost by rote, as was just demonstrated. But doctrines such as the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, can be confusing, but it's helpful to think about them as a road map. The doctrine of the Holy Trinity is a road map, as are the confessions of the church which we often don't examine closely here in our Mennonite faith, but are important to understanding our theology and our doctrines. And the maps, such as those of the Holy Trinity, if we look at them as a maps, are quite reliable, just as maps are when we're finding our way on a journey. However, the maps that we may be using on our road trip are symbols. They don't really exist. They represent real places, but they not, are not the places themselves. A person cannot experience a place by merely studying a map. We can get a good sense of where Mongolia is by looking at a map, but we won't know what it's like unless we're there. You have to get out of your chair and get into your car or on an airplane or on a bicycle like Levi did and figure out what the map has to show you. 
The doctrine of the Holy Trinity points to the places where God can be experienced, the experiences that we feel through the Creator or the Father, through the Son, Jesus, our Redeemer, and through the Holy Spirit or wisdom who leads us toward the totality of truth. But the Trinity, if we really think about it, is still a mystery. And by mystery, I don't mean a riddle, but rather the Trinity is a reality above our human comprehension that we may begin to grasp at times. At times we may say, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I see how the three work together. And then ultimately, it doesn't really make sense. And ultimately, we must understand the Trinity through worship, through symbols, and through our own faith. It has been said that mystery is not a wall to run up against, but an ocean in which to swim. Essentially, the Trinity is the belief that God is one in essence, but distinct in character. Therefore, we believe that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are somehow distinct from one another and yet completely united in will and essence. So how does that work? How is this? Well, think of your eyes. If you are fortunate enough to have two eyes that work, the eyes are distinct, each one. We know it when one is off. A few months ago, one of my contacts was really off. I had to go get a new prescription, and I could tell it. I just wasn't able to focus. I was seeing crazy things. Maybe it wasn't my contacts. Maybe it was something else. But I was seeing really crazy things. But our eyes are distinct, and yet together we see one undivided sight. Or think of the Trinity as a musical chord for you who are musicians. Think of the basic C chord, C, E, and G, all notes that make up the chord, but played alone are distinctive chords on their own, or distinctive notes on their own. But when they join together, they play a chord that sound, that the sound is richer and more dynamic than when the notes are just played individually. The chords are all equally important in producing the rich sound. If one were missing, it wouldn't sound the same. It would still be okay, but it wouldn't sound the same. And the sound is lacking and thin when one of those notes is left out. Psalm 8 that Marietta, Sharon, and Linford read for us at the beginning of the service talks about the wonders of God's holiness and the mystery of it all, the vast stars staring at the tiny fingers and tiny toes of a baby. Have you ever stopped and looked at a new baby and looked at the toes and the fingers and you're just amazed that they actually have knuckles and bones and things just like we as adults do? Or the animals, have you ever thought about the platypus and the porcupine? And each of us, look around. It's unbelievable. How could God, our creator, do it? Put us all here, care for us each. We can't even fully comprehend it. But Psalm 8 helps us to at least sing the praises that we cannot fully comprehend. And in the same way, we cannot understand God's vastness and yet God's amazing attention to detail. In the same way, we cannot fully understand the concept of the Trinity 
How do the individual parts independently coexist? How do we know that tomorrow the sun will rise? We can't fully explain it, but it does. And we rely on it. How do we know that the train track arms will come down just in time to alert us to a train coming by so that we don't cross the railroad tracks at the wrong time? We don't even think about those things, but we rely on them. And for those things, we are grateful. How do we explain the comfort of a smile from a loved one across a room, a crowded room, when life seems to be chaotic, and yet we find comfort in that one smile? We can't explain it, but we know it, we feel it, and we're grateful. The mysteries of life are all around us. And Psalm 8 identifies the mysteries. And so we pray, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And in Psalm 8, we read of the vastness of God's greatness, the multitude of things that God created, the vast skies the world and all of its complexities. God is so great and we are so very small, yet God chooses to be known in three person. God chooses a relationship with us that goes on and on and on. Why? Why would God do that? Why do we choose to forgive someone who has hurt us? Why do we give our wealth to the poor? Why does a parent love a rebellious child? Why do we fall in love with someone so opposite from us? Why do we give up a lucrative job to move to another country for a service opportunity? Sometimes we do things and make decisions that make incredibly logical sense. But sometimes we have no reasonable answers. Why does God continually choose to love us, knowing who we are? Do we really need an answer? Or maybe we just need a response, such as thank you, or wow. The psalmist invites us to live not with the anxieties of this wonderful world of our creator. But the psalmist invites us into the wonder of the mysteries of it all. And so we give thanks for the mystery of God as a member of the Trinity. Part of understanding the mystery of the Trinity is understanding that at the heart of its purpose is relationship. Relationship with each of its parts but also our relationship with it. And our experience on earth is through that of our relationship of the part of the Trinity that has become human, Jesus Christ. In our relationship with Jesus, we find hope in him as the redeemer of our lives. And Paul's letter to the church at Rome that Linford read to us is full of Christology. 
And it focuses on the hope that we find in Jesus. We have liberation, thanks to Jesus. Liberation from our sins and our fears, and in that liberation we have real peace. And real peace with God through Jesus is not a passive thing. It is an action. It is something we must cultivate. Like all good relationships, it takes work. We must actively receive it. And we must live in relationship with it, as Jesus taught us. It may mean building a bridge of communication between two disgruntled coworkers at your job. It may mean noticing people who are different than you and treating them as your peer. It may mean acting out Jesus' teachings to love our neighbors and also to love ourselves. Jesus suffered for us so that we may be free. We too may experience suffering in our lives, especially when we work at following Jesus, but we are not called to suffer. We are called to follow Jesus, which may require suffering along the way, but we are not required or called to force ourselves into suffering that could harm us, especially physically. We are to celebrate the gift that Jesus gave us in dying on the cross and being resurrected. We no longer have to suffer, but we are called to be companions with Jesus on the journey. To walk with the one who is God, who knows God intimately, who loves us fully and completely, who knows what it is like to walk on this earth and to overcome the powers of the earth. And so we give thanks for the mystery of Jesus Christ as part of the Trinity. The Proverbs passage that Marietta read is unfamiliar to most of us. It is rare that Proverbs is part of the lectionary. But the text today personifies wisdom. And what a wonderful thing to be reminded that in the Trinity we experience wisdom, mostly through the Holy Spirit, but of course also through God and through Jesus. We often focus most of our biblical beliefs on God and Jesus, but this scripture reminds us about the third portion of the Trinity. And it offers us a much more personal explanation of her identity or purpose and the continuing presence in our lives. Here in this text, we see the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one that John talked about through the sayings of Jesus. And here the Holy Spirit is alive with deep joy and delight in us and is being an integral part of the creation of God and the Trinity. Now wisdom, we all have wisdom. Some of us call it intuition. Others call it life experiences. It is there for us in our own consciousness. And it grows as we grow. It develops as we age. One commentator wrote, in a secular sense, wisdom is the sum of our experiences, the perspectives and insights that are part of our core being. So why can't this form of wisdom be seen as an aspect of God's presence in our lives? As we are innately wise, so are we innately connected with God. 
we need wisdom. The wisdom described in this proverb, we need to see her beauty, to acknowledge her integrity, to appreciate her fresh perspective. Wisdom, in verse 2 of this passage, proclaims boldly to all people, to you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. In her book, The Cloister Walk, Kathleen Norris writes, in the Orthodox tradition, the icon of wisdom depicts a woman seated on a throne. Her skin and her clothing are red to symbolize the dawn emerging against the deep, starry blue of night. With that image in our head, we can imagine with all of her beauty and grace, that wisdom invites us all to walk and laugh, play and dance into the light of God's new day. Wisdom may not explain what God is, but it reminds us who we seek to be in relationship with God. Wisdom, or the Holy Spirit, is our advocate, our cheerleader, who rejoices in our everyday joys and seeks to comfort in our sorrows. Wisdom is the inner voice that is speaking when no one else seems to understand. The wisdom described in Proverbs is the same as the Holy Spirit described by Jesus in the Gospel of John. Wisdom is God. God is Jesus. And Jesus is wisdom. Three in one. One becoming three. We give thanks for the mystery of the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity. The triune God that we worship is not a grump or a boring lump on a log. The triune God that we worship offers us many avenues to experience and understand the divine through relationship. The triune God is a joyous, dancing, integrated, intricate God who pours out our overflowing gifts to humanity with gladness, redemption, joy, and delight. And as important as doctrines are, we must recognize that we will never come to know God through our mind or through our logic. Our actions, not our intellect, bring us into the presence of God. Our experiences of observing, living, and being in the presence of the Trinity help us to see and experience each one, and yet all three. We can see the distinctiveness of each one, but rarely do we only see one at a time. It is the mystery of the Trinity, how they interact, how they overlap, how they blend into one another. For three chords separately are quite beautiful. But woven together, they have a strength stronger than each one has when it stands alone. And yet if we look close enough, even at the strong woven braid of the Trinity, 
we can still see how each one, how each individual element of the Trinity is an integral part of the mystery of the triune God. The mystery of the Trinity will never be fully solved in a game. It will never be fully won or fully understood. But the mystery of the Trinity shall be experienced. It is a winning combination that all of us are privileged to experience in the game of life. Amen.